0: I am Rachel Kane, author of the Morganville Vampire series, and you're listening to Genretainment.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment. Over at SciFiPulseRadio.com, we're your hosts, Marks,
0: and Julie, and John Entertainment is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, and web series. This is where we give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. Now, for this episode, we are speaking with New York Times and USA Today best-selling thriller author Joanna Penn.
1: We discuss Penn's life change from IT consultant to full-time award-winning self-published author and public speaker. Mm -hmm. We learn about her supernatural thriller series, Arcane, and her London Psychic series. We also talk about her nonfiction books for writers, and she gives us some solid tips for becoming a writer.
0: Now, before we start the interview, we want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song from our web series, Reality On Demand. It was a song composed and performed by our friend Tishon Hardy, and you can find our web series at RealityOnDemandSeries.com.
1: Now let's get to our interview with writer Joanna Penn.
0: Joanna, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's it's good to be here. Now, you do have an interesting background, living in London and once living in Australia and New Zealand, and you have degrees in psychology and theology, and you were also an IT consultant for many years. So, what motivated you to move full-time into the world of writing? Wow, that's, that's a big roundup. <laughs> I guys, thought I would I'm get, it's like, oh. sort of like exposition on parade. How did I, I, I feel like the, I feel like Giles in the Buffy episodes. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that's, a, that's really swift kind of, um, yeah, that, that encompassed quite a few years. Um, but yeah, basically, I, I guess, you know, taking it way back, you know, I did this degree in theology at Oxford. And when you leave Oxford and you have a student loan, um, okay. people try and recruit you. Into these like companies. So I got recruited into Accenture, which is this large consulting firm, and then essentially spent 13 years implementing IT systems into corporate specializing in accounts payable. I mean, you can't get more boring than this, right? Well, and I'm (laughs)
0: trying to understand how psychology and theology
2: led to that. They they don't. (laughs) I don't think I'm the only person who has a degree in something that doesn't relate at all. But you know, essentially, then I I spent those 13 years when I was a consultant trying to get out of my day job. And I started a scuba diving business. And I tried property investment. And I moved around the world, as you say, I lived in New Zealand, Australia, lived in Europe, I've worked a lot of places. And each time just things were going wrong and wrong and wrong. And eventually, I decided, and I'd never written a book before, but I am A massive reader, always read a lot. Uh, I decided, you know, I would write a book on how to enjoy your job because. How how could I an intelligent woman find myself in a life where I did not enjoy my day job it just seemed Very ridiculous easily. to me. <laughs> yes. But isn't that the truth right? You take a job when you're like 21 because you want to pay off your debt and like 13 years later you find yourself still doing the same job because just year after year the golden handcuffs blah 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 and I had a, a house and a mortgage and all the things and a car and blah and I just I questioned my I was questioning my whole life basically like, how come this is what the world says I should do? <laughs> and I'm not happy. So writing that first book, um, which is it does exist now as career change, a book called career change. Um, I discovered that I really enjoyed writing books, um, you know, and I started a blog as you do. And then um, I started writing and discovered NanoRimo. So I don't know if your listeners might not know N A N O W R I mo Vimo <laughs> um is essentially national novel writing month and uh you the aim is to write fifty thousand words in a month and uh I managed twenty thousand i've never written fiction before, and I got the bug so basically that started me off you know i always read thrillers um and I enjoyed the da vinci code you know i i, oh, yeah. I like because of my theology degree, um, I'm not a believer, um, but I love religion and all that goes into that and the supernatural and demons and stuff. And, you know, Stephen King. Now you're talking and so my I, language. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, I mean, I like lots of that. So I thought I'll just write that. It'd be great. You know, and I loved it. I had such a good time. And so that that was 2009 I started writing fiction and yeah that that pretty much kicked me off and and I was able to leave my day job in September 2011 uh, to be a full-time author entrepreneur so I, I combine fiction nonfiction professional speaking uh, and and other things really
0: you're, you're definitely touching on things that we like Marx actually has a degree in psychology as well I do yeah. and um, yeah I'm, I'm just massively interested in, in theology. I am, Mm. I am religious myself, but like, I, I'm so interested in other religions and belief systems. And, and I'm always, you know, what I love about it is the more you study, the more you find out like how much everyone
2: has in common more than not. (laughs) yeah exactly and there's so many great what I like about it is it it resonates with with so much you know and um as you learn like my the my latest book Gates of Hell is is based on Kabbalah the um Uh uh, Jewish mysticism you know sort of uh, stuff and and as I researched that I just found more and more cool stuff that I wanted (laughs) to learn about and um you know they have the golem the kind of the monster Uh made out of clay and you know I had to have him in there and you know just some cool demonology that you don't even hear about you know madonna wears a Kabbalah bracelet, yeah. and they have this awesome demonology and um and a, numer- a numerological system called gematria where all these words have numbers associated and then other words have the same numbers and it's it's all very cool and Isn't yeah it, so i love all that stuff yeah, and, <laughs> and,
0: and you know i mean even besides like the demons I've, I've done the dances of universal peace i don't know if you've heard of that and and you know the oh. first time i went you know, the first the first chanting and dancing we did was based on Muslim, uh, beliefs of like compassion and, and all this stuff. And then right after that, we go right into something based on the teachings of mother Teresa. And it was just like, okay, so like, these are the same ideas. It was just packaged a little differently. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, and it was just so, and then, you know, we end with like a Buddhist blessing and it was like, you know, the, 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 the words were different and the, and the tune was different and all this, but it, it, was, it was the same ideas behind all of them. And, and it was just so interesting. And so I think that what's neat is that you can use that with the psychology to kind of make all of the themes in your book so universal.
2: Yeah. And and what I find, uh, I mean, coming back to psychology, the Carl Jung's idea of synchronicity, uh, I find absolutely amazing. And I have on my wall this line that says trust emergence, because when I get an idea for a story and then I start researching, it's like I find the things that will feed the story. And I assume like this is going to happen. And then I find (laughs) things that really happened that support the story. And, and the first book, Pentecost, um, I wrote just before Carl Jung's Red Book came out, which is uh, his journal and paintings from his Nervous Breakdown, never been published before. And it came out just as I'd already written this uh, Pentecost, this book. And, uh, and in it is a painting that precisely matched oh. one of my scenes in the book. <laughs> oh, wow. And it was just like, wow, that synchronicity, you know, things that, that just come out of that kind of collective, collective subconscious it's uh anyway yes really exciting
0: <laughs> I, I like that idea yeah
1: so when you start writing what was some of the biggest challenges you faced starting out
2: yeah besides um, never think, having done it before <laughs>
0: no, yeah well, it. I was gonna
2: say uh, do you, you mean fiction or nonfiction specifically I'd say fiction yeah, fiction. I mean, yeah.
0: obviously, you did a lot of writing nonfiction for papers at Oxford. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to do it here, I'm guessing you had to do it there.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think most people could probably structure a nonfiction book and, you know, uh, it, it's just you tell, you give some information. But fiction, that probably the thing that you realize first up is that what's in your head doesn't necessarily come out on the page <laughs> like you expected. <laughs> um, and 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 that also, even if you've read thousands of books, which I have, you try and construct a story and you suddenly realize that you might not necessarily know how to structure a story. So even basic things. um, And I know you've covered, you know, the same thing as like TV has a point of view or a film. I know you have a lot of directors and people on the show, you know, a a camera angle, for example, could be considered a, a point of view and you see things with certain character, a scene in a certain place, something has to happen, Um, you have to evoke emotion, you know, you can't, like for me, I love big explosion movies, like Con Air is probably my favourite movie, Um, and, but then you try and portray that in a book, It's very different to portraying that in a film. It does move a little
0: slower, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, well, you can't just say, well, you can say, then everything blew up, but that's not really good enough. So,
0: (laughs) the (laughs) end. It all blew up, the end.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the end. You know, so you have to go a bit deeper. And that's what I like it's difficult but it's what I like about writing novels as well is that I can like the like we're saying the the psychology of religion I can go into a character's thoughts as to what they think like I've got um, a guy uh, in one of my books who uh, about eugenics about he believes that breeding out the bad people um, in the world will make for a better humanity. Now he believes in making humanity better, but the way he believes in doing it is not necessarily a way that you and I would agree with. So it, it, it's interesting putting yourself into the head of somebody like that. So I think when you start writing fiction, you realize so much that you don't know yeah. and then uh, you learn that stuff. So, you know, I, I, learned this I've done courses I've read all the books I have paid for a lot of professional editors and learned the craft and and this is another thing I love about writing I'm sure you guys agree you never stop having to learn I mean uh, the moment you master one thing you move on to something else and, and that's part of the joy of it
0: yeah, and I love that you're talking about it's the way he goes about it. Because, you know, villains are always heroes in their own minds, really. I mean, you know, they think they've got yeah. it all figured out. You know, they're not the, the bad guy in the black hat, twisting the handlebar mustache, going, ha. ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess they could. That might be fun.
2: <laughs> well, except, except in Austin Powers, you know, the <laughs> evil. Yeah, yeah.
0: he he, called, he just knew. He was upfront about it. He's very on the nose. He's evil. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about your fiction books. Uh, Now, you have your thriller arcane series. So Mm -hmm. tell our listeners about that.
2: Yeah, so I wanted, I knew I wanted to write a series that basically I could use to investigate religious. Thriller mysteries around the world. So I uh, the original idea was stemmed. I went to Varanasi in India and saw the burning ghats where they burn the bodies on the on the banks of the Ganges and then sweep the ashes in and and those people escape um, you know the cycle of life and reach Nirvana. And I was like, that's amazing. I got to have that in a book. And that's actually the opening of one of my books. But I thought, you know, I want to write something that I can. It's not just a standalone, so that I can have a character go around the world doing cool stuff. <laughs> um so I, so I came up with arcane which is um the arcane agency it's a secret government agency that's under trafalgar square in london uh it's kind of a bit torchwood torchwood style <laughs> Um, yeah I was quite influenced by tortured um, but they investigate religious mysteries and my character my main character dr. Morgan Sierra just happened to do psychology and uh, um, worked for the Israeli military so she's br- brought up Jewish um, but mixed kind of heritage um, and mixed-race and um, you know basically goes around the world solving these mysteries and, and finding objects and uh, like the devil's Bible and um, oh, pretty much 95 percent of what's in my books are based on on true locations true historical objects um real research and then what I do is I just twist twist it a little bit so Pentecost is based on um the Pentecost stones, which I made up, but they are um, with the bodies of the apostles, the 12 apostles, and their bodies are around the world, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. Basically, kind of
0: someone course. could take a trip around the world and like go to the tourist sites that you have in your books.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and what I enjoy about, I put at the end of my books, I have an author's note and it tells people what is real and what I basically made up. And um, I love getting emails from my readers that say, you know, well, one reader, for example, I've got uh, One Day in Budapest, which is based in Budapest, and they actually... (laughs) went and did a tour of Budapest based on my novel which was so cool oh, um because all the places are there you know the the house of horror um it, from the communist time and the various you know the labyrinth and and all this different stuff and and uh, also it means I get to uh, indulge my uh, big passion which is traveling so um for example I love Israel love Jerusalem and I, I've got uh, pretty much every book I have Set into some things in Israel. Well,
0: well and that was going to be my next question: is have you tried setting anything in a city or country you've not been in? So you, you uh, at least have kind of dipped your toes in the waters.
2: Yeah, so I do both. I mean, for the for Pentecost, where the actual um, I had to go to to where the bodies of the apostles are, um, I was looking for one in Iran, and I haven't been to Iran. I would love to go. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some amazing cultural stuff in Iran, so I didn't go there. I had to write that chapter from uh, you know Wikipedia and um, Flickr and things (laughs) like that. Uh, It's amazing what you can find online, though. Um, So yeah, there's some. chapters where I make stuff up. Um, For example, in Gates of Hell, I have a scene uh, scuba diving in the Dead Sea. Um, So I am a scuba diver and you can scuba dive in the Dead Sea, but I haven't been and I don't want to go. It sounds blooming awful.
0: (laughs) It sounds a little, first of all, a little hot. A little salty. Yeah. Little
1: well, anything salty. called dead sea, I wouldn't be. Yeah. Eager. I mean,
0: you'd have to like tie weights to yourself to make yourself sink enough to, to scuba dive. Well, you,
2: have to, you have to wear serious amounts of weights, but I went and researched that you can dive and it's actually uh, one of the proposed locations for the biblical cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. So um, I had to go there. And uh, so that was really cool. So I, that again is written from research. You know, there's a video online of diving in, in the Dead Sea. Um, so yeah so I do both research but my my main you know one of the big things I love doing in my research process is I I do get my ideas from from trips basically and that's the first thing I do uh, is generally try and go somewhere and and come up with an idea from that environment
0: okay now also you have another series uh the London Psychic series uh would you be able to explain that one to our readers
2: yeah readers our listeners (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) Of our, readers our listeners and hopefully your future readers yeah yeah so the so basically i thought you know everything i write is supernatural and i thought i'm just going to write a uh straight crime novel british detective crime novel and then what was classic is i try you know i just can't write something that doesn't have a supernatural edge i found um i have a british detective uh jamie brooke and then Her partner in in solving these mysteries is actually a psychic (laughs) um, who is an academic who works at the British Museum. And uh, he gets kind of pulled into this mystery. Uh, Again, they're all based in London. There's only two. I'm just starting the third one. The first one is desecration. And it opens in the Hunterian Museum, which is amazing. Again, this stems from a visit there. It is a medical specimen museum. And when I first went there, I was really like viscer- viscerally. Um, I felt in my stomach my reaction to the exhibits there. You know, the stuff it's kind in
0: of jars. Hard <laughs>
2: Well, you know, well, it's amazing because once I then, and then I went to the Bodies Exhibition in New York. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you know about that uh-huh. yet, the plastination of the corpses. And I just, it became utterly fascinated with this kind of thing. And then if you if you read the research about John Hunter um, and, and the body snatching and the resurrection men and, uh, you know, that history. So basically what the series um, is, is, you know, there's a crime that has a, a resonance with the past. And uh, Jamie, who's the detective sort of, Uh, and and Blake the psychic solve these murders again sort of that happen in in now but Blake can read the emotions of the past and what happened in the past Um, so uh, for example in uh, Day of the Vikings that I have Blake has some uh, visions and goes back and sees what happens when the Vikings invaded and stuff like that so um, it's again very much I like using what what actual places in London and uh, Delirium? The second one is based uh, mental health. you are like the psychology. Um, the opening murder is of a psychiatrist at the historical Bedlam, which is now the Imperial War Museum in London. So um, that's pretty exciting, and I, and I love living in London. It is just catnip for writers. There's so much. Here, and in fact, I do want to write a screenplay you know of desecration or delirium because it you know in terms of the budget, it would be smaller because it's very constrained in terms of scope, whereas my other books I go around the world blowing stuff up <laughs> <laughs> you've gotta do both, right It's the uh, fun. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, if you're not
2: enjoying what you're writing, then no one's going to enjoy do, reading it. So, Do
1: they exist in the same universe? Will there ever be a crossover?
2: Ooh. Oh, well, yes. Well, um, Day of the Vikings is actually a crossover. It has um, Morgan Sierra from Arcane goes to the British Museum, visits the Viking exhibition, and meets Blake. So, yes, oh. they, they do. Um, and I, I, I don't know why I ended up doing that, but I think I would. I, I, do you know the British Museum in London at all?
0: We've not been there. I've been
2: there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there's this massive glass roof. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's this whole court that has a huge glass roof. And I just looked up one day and thought, how cool would it be to bring a helicopter through (laughs) this roof? (laughs) (laughs) And then they had this Viking exhibition and I got my idea. So um, that was a lot of fun.
0: Movie producers love that kind of thinking.
2: (laughs) Well, this is the thing, and I, I think because I love action movies, like I said, I love Con Air. I love the John Woo kind of slow motion, the doves, you know, and he does a lot of doves in slow mo shots, yeah. you know. Um, I love and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I love, you know, I love these action movies with lots of fight scenes and explosions. And I see, Marks, aren't you some kind of choreographer of fight scenes? Uh-huh, yes,
1: yeah, I've done that. I did martial arts for many years, and then and I do stunt, yeah, stunt work.
2: See that's cool that's really
0: <laughs> It is it is fun you know we we had one time we actually have Marks and I sword fighting on screen cuz we just we didn't we had him play a role where he would do that cuz we just didn't trust someone else so like we knew we wouldn't hurt mm-hmm. each other so in the amount of time, amount of time train, that we yeah. had we didn't have enough time to really train somebody so we're like well we know we won't really hurt each other and even if we do what are we <laughs> going to do we're married <laughs> you Just walk off.
2: <laughs> well that's really cool well my um morgan sierra does krav maga because she's oh, in yeah. the israeli defense force and what so i thought you know i'm i'm one of those research authors i'm going to go do a krav maga class <laughs> uh so I went and I seriously got my ass kicked and I went home <laughs> and I was just kind of crying, going, oh, that wasn't fun. I got really hurt. And so I decided that I would just research that on YouTube. <laughs> See,
0: we consider that fun.
2: <laughs> I really want to, you know, my, my kind of my dream author photo or, you know, is going to be me kind of in black leather fighting like Trinity in the <laughs> Matrix. That's what I want to be. <laughs>
0: I want to be able to just look like Trinity in the Matrix. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too would be nice. Even if I couldn't move in that suit, I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good
2: good point.
1: <laughs> I've done some Krav Maga. Yeah, Mark's has it's done a, some Krav Maga. It's a cool style. And... I've
0: done some other styles with him. It's been a while.
1: But there are a lot of good books on Krav Maga for yes. research. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and there, got, are
0: other, of... there are some other there are some other reality based martial arts there that you could use too. Yeah.
1: Now, Farquhar, you said that Torchwood was a little bit of an inspiration with that organization. Yeah. Uh, was there any inspirations TV or movie wise or book for Lennon psychic?
2: Uh, well, it, also for arcane, James Rollins, he's one of my favorite, um, kind of action adventure authors, uh, has a Sigma series, which I really enjoyed. Um, for, for the London Psychic, as I said, I really thought it was going to be a straight detective <laughs> kind of <laughs> series. Um didn't really turn out that way. My and, and actually, this does come from screenplay, because I have been, you know, I want to write a screenplay. I looked at Arcane when big budget is too big, and then um, Broadchurch came on. Oh. Do you know, have uh-huh. you seen Broadchurch? Yeah, I yeah. think there's an American version now. Yeah, they, uh, they
0: based Grace Point off of it.
2: We didn't. Yes. We didn't
0: watch Broadchurch. We tried watching Grace Point. I'm hoping Broadchurch is better. <laughs> well,
2: the, the British Broadchurch, it's like a you know a murder in a small uh, in a smaller town, and it, it made me think. And that it wasn't uh, story wise, it's not really a model, but it was the kind of the smaller location, the yeah. fact that it was very constrained in location. I also wanted to write something in London because uh, I moved back here from Australia, which is a kind of cultural wilderness compared to Europe. <laughs> um, um, don't mention that to the Aussies, but um, <laughs> it was—you know—I moved back to London and I just suddenly surrounded by all this amazing stuff, and so—and uh, also the British British people like crime books, yes. Um So and crime uh, shows and, a lot, yeah, yeah, and crime shows. So I thought, you know, I'm going to have a detective. I want to solve just a straight murder, and then when Blake appeared, um, he's half Swedish, half Nigerian, kind of mixed race. Uh, psychic and uh, his his whole, you know, I, and then I go into the psychology of people who have these type of gifts, and you know, it, it all became a bit more confusing. But I think my, um, yeah. So there is no real straight model. I mean, I love the John Connolly Charlie Parker books. I don't know if you know them. No, both um, of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Well, Charlie Charlie Parker is a human detective. Amer- it's set in America. Um, but yes, we are human. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't
2: resist. <laughs> but anyway, but he he sees you know he sees dead people and he sees there are other people in his in the world of of these books that are not human that are demons and so I like mixing the kind of the the human with the supernatural. Although then I, I don't I wouldn't say I write fantasy. It's kind of on the edge, you know. I like Stephen King being my one of my favorite authors and The Stand being probably my favorite book they're all kind of good versus evil and supernatural elements um the 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 levels of of good and evil we have inside us as as humans but yeah I mean all of those things come into my my work really
1: you said before the interview you mentioned how you've been playing around genre more and uh and I know you've been getting more supernatural with your work so how have you been dealing that approach with genre? Do you find it a delicate balance of trying to fit a certain genre, especially since books often get unfortunately lumped into certain genres?
2: Sometimes accurately, sometimes not. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean- <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, it is. I think it's really difficult with books because um, I count genre now as Amazon categories. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you when you publish a book, you have to choose the categories where you publish. So for example, if you pick thriller, um, you have one other choice. So say you you could pick horror, it would sit between the two. But that doesn't really suggest what type of book it is to either audience. So I think until things get more granular, um, you know, you just have to choose and, and my books are, you know, set in the real world, pretty much. Uh, they're contemporary thrillers, but they have this twist that some would consider to be religious or Christian. Other people would consider to be fantasy or dark fantasy. And that depends whether you really believe in angels or demons uh, or whether you think they are a fantasy element and these things can be quite difficult um you know I've I've been a bestseller in Christian fiction uh, you know I've been a bestseller in horror um which implies these things are not real so this is I, it's very difficult so what I tend to do as we're doing now is I talk about you know I like Stephen King you know I like James Rollins John Connolly you know Jonathan Mabry these are authors I like and I read and their influences on me if you like these types of books um, <laughs> All these type of films, then you might be interested in my work. But it, I think it, it's very difficult, you know, and I know you guys with the, the genre attainment, I mean, I've, everybody's cross-genre, aren't mm-hmm. they, really? <laughs>
1: just
0: about, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and really, I mean, genre is such a broad term, really. I mean, you know, there are, are some things that are just set in a completely different universe and da-da-da, and then others that are, you know, just like ours, but a few people see some ghosts you know <laughs> yeah and, and, <laughs> so, and like that's like said, a real it, big spread a difference there
2: it, it is and then it's and then also like we talked about at the beginning with with religion and people of faith if you believe that these things are real as in you know the bible says there are angels and uh, you know the devil and that type of thing if you believe they are real then these books are not fantasy and maybe offensive you know so it's it it is it's a very difficult line to walk and I certainly I use generally use quotes from you know the bible or or things at the front of my books and you know some people have said oh you you cross the line you know with this or this doesn't exist and I'm like well I do say at the beginning it is fiction or fictionalized
0: Like this isn't really a how-to manual okay yeah (laughs)
2: No, this is not, they were not, well, as far as I know, they were not really the gates of hell. You, could, I you mean, can use they...
0: your imagination. It won't I hurt you. I thought this you. was nonfiction. What's it,
1: <laughs> this is your bio, right? What's going on?
0: You, oh, you dude, shouldn't I... strain anything by using your imagination. <laughs> no, or have fun along the way. Yeah, reading and writing can be fun. <laughs> they need to tell that to more kids and actually prove it to them. Now, oh yeah, definitely.
1: Now, everyone, every author or writer has different type of method or approach to writing. So we're wondering, ah,
0: oh, your... yes, the method question. <laughs> <So> we <we're
1: laughs> wonder what your writing <laughs> method is. Uh, so, how, how do you go from sparking an idea to the finished book? And, and what does your normal writing day look like?
2: Uh, yeah, so I get my idea. So this weekend, for example, we're going to go start. Um, me and my husband have a little research trip. Um, we're going to go. <laughs> I like how
1: she works. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to well, yeah, to Budapest.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean Budapest, we spent four days in Budapest. We had to go do that research, you know. <laughs> but this one, this one's not quite so far. So this is the London Psychic series. The third one's called Deviance, which, you know, you may or may not like. Um, but it's gonna be set in my idea, is that it will be based on the East End of London, Whitechapel, you know, that kind of stuff so we're going to go there um I'll take my diary we'll have a look around I'll write some notes and then what I do then is I generally come up with some basic idea so because this is a series I have my characters I have the basic structure of a murder mystery um so I have to you know find a setting um i have to have a murder and then what's behind the murder what's the interesting theme of the book so i'll i tend to write a lot of notes i've been thinking about it for a while and then what i tend to do is i often have the first scene which for me is is a murder uh, i have a lot of body count in my books um, so i have the murder i'll write that so that you know i'll get started by writing this murder scene I'll write probably I'll probably approximately know about 10 scenes in my head of what some big points of the book and then I'll start writing I use Scrivener uh, which is fantastic software um which i don't write in order so i'll just write scenes i write scenes and then kind of after i've written about 20,000 words i then actually try and restructure the whole thing and and pick out the issues and and consider what the book is really about um and then i will uh, write the rest of the scenes essentially um so that and then i print out the first draft and i edit by hand the first draft rewrite And then I go through an editing process uh, with a professional editor. And then I have beta readers and copy editor and stuff like that. But um, in terms of my average day, uh, it will depend on what's happening on a day. I'm sure like you guys, I try and write something every day, but I mix up fiction and nonfiction. So I just finished a draft of a novella which is one day in New York which is this one with the angel that draft is finished that's resting so this week I'm actually writing non-fiction next week I'll start editing so the days are, can sometimes be a bit different I also record audio books um, I do professional speaking I do some other things so um, but generally I try and write most days on something new uh but not necessarily fiction I, I do do a lot of research as I said oh and I do just so interestingly on the historical side I do write a couple of days a week in the London Library which is uh, Bram Stoker work there Agatha Christie <laughs> Charles Dickens um a whole load of really famous authors um have written in the London Library so I love writing there it's uh, very atmospheric
0: you can kind of feel the history there can't you
2: yeah you can although I'm in the room with the laptops <laughs> <laughs> that that might kill the mood a bit <laughs> yeah definitely but it's very cool you know and it's I think just because you, uh, you're surrounded by other people who are writing it's just it's it also when when you've spent so many years in the corporate world you almost need the commute the coffee shop yeah. the working the lunch hour you need you know, that structure I need that. yeah yeah other
0: exactly. otherwise you just find yourself kind of surfing the web <laughs> for
2: two hours <laughs> yeah, or doing you know it just it means I have more of a structure like you say and like where I'm sitting right now at my desk I do podcasting here I do other marketing stuff if I want to write just fiction it's sometimes easier to do that away from the desk where I do all the other stuff
0: mm, that makes sense mm-hmm. So you do mention that you um, you also write, we've been talking about your fiction, but you do write nonfiction. I think you started out published in nonfiction. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've written?
2: Yeah, sure. So I started out with that career change book, um, which changed my life and sells every January to all those people who hate <laughs> their <metal. laughs> Um But then because I had started blogging at the time at the Creative Pen, the double N, uh, about the process of becoming a writer and creative entrepreneur. And um, I learned about self-publishing um, because I'm I'm one of those people who does not like to ask permission. I don't like to wait. Um, you know, I like to do stuff myself with other professionals. So I started to, you know, like many people share what I was learning online. And so I ended up and then what, of course, what happens with most people's first book is they nothing sells. And then you realize you have to learn about marketing in the same way that I know independent. Independent filmmakers, independent TV shows, whatever, everyone needs to understand marketing. So, I actually have written a book called How to Market a Book, which is again based on my experience of learning about marketing and also public speaking for authors, creatives, and other introverts. Because <laughs> believe it or not, I am an introvert. Um, so, again, that's a kind of helpful book. And my most recent nonfiction is Business for Authors How to Be an Author Entrepreneur, which, um, because so many creatives, And most like 95% of the stuff in there is valid for any creative person who wants to learn business. Uh, Because I was a business consultant, I I use my business knowledge as a creative. And it just frustrates me how many people are not making a good living doing something that is just amazing. And I'm very driven um, to be convincing that uh, this is as as good or better than a proper job, Um, you know. (laughs) like you can make more money being a creative than a jo- than in a proper job you can create more you can be happier you can um leave stuff for your children you know yeah. this this is a just amazing career path but you have to spend years at the beginning you know building up your body of work and that type of thing
0: yeah and it it is it does you do find yourself trying to justify the job to people yeah (laughs) because you you tell them they're like oh so you don't have a real job yeah exactly (laughs) like what do you do all day (laughs) It, it really does speak to that mindset you talked about how you weren't happy with your job where unless you're getting Money from and and reporting to a particular person every day then like then what you do isn't legitimate or some
2: reason yeah exactly and I think maybe I wrote it just for my mom you know but it was (laughs) it's it's helping a lot of authors you know like I I have a limited company I'm very you know I'm very structured with um with the business side of things I I am an entrepreneur I had a I had a very good job you know money does motivate me but I'm not going to compromise what I love as a creative. You know, like I said, I mean, I love explosions. I love killing people. I love, (laughs) you know, demons. And if I could write romance, I'd be a multi-billionaire, but I'm not. So
0: (laughs) You can get a different pen name. Churn one out, make a bunch of money.
2: (laughs) I just can't do it. I cannot do it. I think this, and I think this is really important. I don't believe in chasing the market you know and like uh, when I tried to write a straight detective novel that persuaded me I just couldn't do it you know I can't I have this like we talked about at the beginning this fascination with religion with the supernatural with psychology the things that you love are the things that will come out in your creative work and I think you you have to be true to that you have to um, and someone, David Morrell, who wrote First Blood, mm-hmm. great author, um, and someone I consider a mentor, I interviewed him, and he, he has had a lot of tragedy in his life. And he said, you know, we have a very short life, we really do, and you never know when it will end. If you're not spending your time writing a book that you love, that you develop as you're writing, you know, that you ch- that changes you as much as anyone else, then what the hell are you doing? You know, <laughs> do stuff that is worth spending time on. Yeah. for tomorrow we die and all that
0: <laughs> so I remember uh, a musician was talking to some people I know and he was like you know I I, I do what I do because I love it if I if I want to do something just for the money I can go sell shoes you know
2: <laughs> exactly and it's I not mean, the kind of do... thing you do unless you love it <laughs> no and I mean there are far easier ways to make a living <laughs> than being a creative much I mean. much easier much much easier but you know the I love what I do and and I think you know someone asked me the other day oh you're you know you're a workaholic you work all the time I'm like but this is not just my work this is my love and my hobby and my passion it's my life you know I this is what I loved it like work is fun yeah
0: (laughs) that's when you know you did the right
2: thing (laughs) yeah exactly
1: now since I I published a book Mm -hmm. not too long ago because of that, I've gotten more involved in the whole medium of, of, of book publishing. You know, just more interested in that world and marketing. I, I bought like that three book bundle pack, where mm. your uh, your marketing book was part of, for example. So I'm really interested, coming from more of a film background and, and especially also web series background. I found this really interesting like parallel between like independent web series creators and self published like ebook authors or, or just self published authors in general, or, or people like. Authorpreneurs. I Authorpreneurs. You <laughs> there you
0: go.
1: I think you called that yeah, before. She... I think that's where I got that from. Okay. Um, but it's
0: just fun to say.
1: <laughs> um, it
0: sounds better when she says it.
1: <laughs> now, independent web series creators are always struggling about how to make a profit, you know, yeah. to make money from that. So I'm curious about what is the health of ebook publishing right now or the main platforms and, and how hard is it to break into that? Um,
2: mm. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same. And it's the same in any industry. E- anyone can do this now. And anyone can put videos on YouTube. You know, anyone can do this type of thing. Anyone can write a book. Ex- you know, if you buy Scrivener, which is 49 US dollars, you can output a Kindle file, a file you know, and upload it to Amazon for free. It is free to self publish on Amazon Kindle. But If you actually want, like we talked about being proud of what you create, um, if you want to learn how to write a proper novel or you want to write a nonfiction book that can stand beside any traditionally published book, you do have to invest some time and money. So professional editing might be anything between $500 to $2,000 to edit a book. Um, professional cover design can be, you know, $50 to $500. Those two things I think are non-negotiable for a successful self-published book or any book. You know, that's what if you sign with a traditional publisher um, and you sign a contract where you get between 10 and 25% royalty for your books... Um, versus self publishing where you get seventy percent um, you can see where the balance of of income is and that is also where the balance of work is so if you self publish you have to do the editing um, and the cover design and the publishing so essentially I, you know that in terms of when you're saying the health, like again any creative industry probably ninety five percent of people who are doing it are not doing it in a professional Business way. Um, sure, there, you know, some people break out without putting in all the effort. Uh, you know, some people do just hit that zeitgeist. Um, you know, we can look at Fifty Shades of Grey, and probably there's a, a lot of erotica authors who are really pissed off that, you know, <laughs> that they've been writing for 30 years and then somebody comes along and Yale James comes along and, and screws them up. Um, but <laughs> But in the same way, you know, I think for me, so I have, I have like twelve books now. I think she says eight fiction, four non-fiction, um, with a production schedule for this year. I take this very seriously as a career. Now, I'm not i'm still not making the amount of money i made when i left my day job three and a half years ago but i did that for 13 years um and i understand the business model of being an author uh you know it relates to number of books out there number of different formats number of countries um you know the way you exploit your rights so i mentioned i would like to write a screenplay um you know we can all do these different things so you almost have to if you want to make an income so your book for example marks i would say to you one book will never make a decent income that would be a truism i suppose in the same way that <laughs> one person with with one episode of one web series is not going to get an audience or a you know however you monetize that is just not going to happen or one podcast episode isn't going to do much so I think we all, you know, you have to build up that body of work to make money. Now, I say that and I know, I would say the vast majority of people self-publishing are not making that much money. Um, But the people who are doing this as a business who are putting out quality books that people want, (laughs) and that's important too. Um, I had a question from someone, uh, a consulting client of mine and she said look I'm doing everything everything right I'm sure why am I not selling and it, the truth was she was writing uh, literary short stories now, the market for literary short stories is just nowhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Co- compared to genre romance or genre thriller or, you know, the type or sci fi or whatever. So I said to her, Look, it doesn't matter how many literary sh- short stories you write. If you want to make money, this is not going to work for you. So she has to think about what she actually wants as an artist. Um, So I I guess that gives you, but I would, going further, I know, and I have met, and I'm friends with plenty of authors who are making extremely good money at this, Mm -hmm. seven figures, eight figures, you know, we know this, I mean, if you look at the, the Forbes richest author list, for example, which comes out every year, authors can be multi millionaires, multi, you know, just making a lot of money. If you write things that people want. So again, Stephen King being one of my favourite authors, Stephen King is not a sort of fly by night success. He's been putting (laughs) out books every year for what forty. I think I heard of that Stephen King guy. Yeah, exactly. But he is consistent. What what and what also encourages me, I'm turning forty this year. If you look at that list, most of the authors are in their late fifties, sixties. They've been writing for 40 years. Yeah. And they, they are reaping the rewards of becoming Incredible artists, the top of their game, and they have the backlist to show for it. So, for me, this is a long term career. Uh, this is not a I want to get rich with one book type so, of thing. So, Although, what you're
0: saying yeah. is don't write the like, we can't hope to write the great American novel and retire. You have to reap the benefit <laughs> of an actual career. <laughs>
2: no. Yes. and it's not any different to <laughs> any, any of the job. other <laughs> industries? And I say that to people too. It's like, okay, so say you get a job as an IT consultant. Yeah, how, useful <laughs> are you? Yeah, yeah. how useful are you in year one? You know, how much do people actually think you're worth when you're one year out of university? You're not worth much. You know, two years, no, three years, no. By the time you reach five years, you might be worth something. Mm-hmm. By the time you reach 10 years, people are paying you decent money. So I, you know, I think if you have that kind of idea that in any career, you have to put the time in to be worth something then you know that's the way it goes yeah
0: now um you are given a lot of good advice do you think you could share some tips for anyone thinking about writing a book maybe you can give a tip for just the actual craft of writing and then one more for the business side if you just really had to pick the most important things that people needed to remember
2: uh it's really basic Um, (laughs) but whatever you want to write you need to read so you know, if you want to write a horror novel, for example, then read a lot of horror because you have to please those readers. Uh, if you, you know, if that's what you want to do, if you want to please the readers and you want to sell books, then read the books in that genre. Mm-hmm. And if you love reading that stuff, then you're far more likely to enjoy writing it. Uh, and just the follow up piece of advice for writers is you gotta write. I mean, so many people go to the conferences; they have like fifty books on writing in there bookcase but they will not sit down and write and yes it's hard it's actually really hard but you have to do that if you want to be a writer so read and write it's not rocket science (laughs) do you find most
0: writers have kind of a love-hate relationship with writing i mean are there days that you kind of hate writing but love having written
2: uh, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a lot of those. I think we all have our favorite bits um, of it. But um, there's a book that I recommend for any uh, artist called Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. Do you know that book? I've heard it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, well, it will kick your ass, you know. <laughs> uh, Totally kick any and and it's for any creative. It's not just for authors. So Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. And he goes into this, this, uh, I mean, you know, the blank page, whatever is always difficult. But that book is fantastic for kind of making you go back every day. And also he has a quote from Krishna, which I really love, which is you have the right to your labor, not the fruits of your labor, Oh, which I think, Oh, it's so good because you're like, yes. And if I'm not enjoying the labor, then what's the point? So if you enjoy the labor, that is your right. Your right is to enjoy the work or do the work. And you you don't have any right to what happens afterwards. Um, (laughs) But, you know, doing the work is the fun bit. So. Yeah, that would be my book for for writers. Um, And then on the business side, I think my main thing here is when you whenever you do anything, whether it's a web series or you want you write a screenplay or or a novel um, or nonfiction, you have to decide on your definition of success. So for example, I get a lot of people come to me and like that woman I just said, um, you know, these literary short stories were brilliant, beautiful writing. And I said to her, look, if you want to win a literary prize, then these are brilliant. So why are you complaining about your lack of sales? If you want to sell a million books? then you have to write the type of book that will sell a million books. <laughs> you know, most prize-winning, Booker Prize-winning or Pulitzer Prize-winning books don't sell that many copies right. compared to Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Um, <laughs> you know, so you have to think... Which they, I might interject, which oh. I
0: have to interject is unfortunate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, but, the, but this is what's so interesting. We all like different stuff, right? Yeah. We all like different books. And this is what fascinates me is the people that connect and have these massive breakout successes um, you know there are reasons uh, and and it's our, we have to deconstruct this in order to kind of understand it, but you have to think about your definition of of success so for me, I, you know I went to Oxford, my mum was a literary uh, a, a literature teacher. I come from a tradition of 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 literature and I thought I had to write that it was only when I calmed down and thought why do I want you know I want to write books that sell a lot of copies and I want to make money because money equals happy readers yeah. you know if I'm making money it's because I'm pleasing people and they love my story so I want to be a storyteller not a prize winner so this is a very important distinction so decide what your definition of success is, and that will really help you when you try and measure that success.
0: (laughs) I think both of those are excellent bits of advice for, you know, regardless of of what you do in life, (laughs) whether you're a writer or not.
1: (laughs) All right. Well it looks like we gotta start wrapping things up.
0: But before we go, we would ask that you let everyone know where they can find you and your books
2: online. Yeah, sure. So my um, my thrillers and my supernatural stuff is at J F Pen, and that's F for Francis Pen dot Pen with a double N, and, or on all ebook stores, print, audio book, uh, etc. And if you are interested in the writing, self publishing, the marketing stuff, uh, it's the creative pen with a double n dot com or on twitter at the creative pen where i hang out quite a lot
0: let me just say how cool it is that you're a professional writer and your last name is pen i know (laughs) it's funny it's really cool it's just it's it's kismet
2: <laughs> I know but do you know how long I didn't believe I was creative I mean that's a whole other discussion but I had an affirmation for about four years which was I am creative I am an author four years you know I had to say that until it actually happened so um, yeah it's it's changing your your brain you know it's psychology again <laughs> <laughs> we're back to that but it's been been really lovely to talk to both of you I've really enjoyed getting- it Hi,
0: this is Mer Lafferty, author of The Shambling Guide to New York City, and you're listening to Genretainment. Big thanks to Joanna for taking the time to chat with us. If you're interested in her thriller books or her nonfiction books, you can find the show links on the description of this episode. Before we go, we want to remind you that you can keep track of us on our Genretainment Facebook page, Marks' Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marks, our website at Genretainment.com, or all of the shows at SciFiPostRadio.com.
1: So that's it for today's Genretainment. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series.
0: Genretainment is a production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions. Until 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 next next time.
1: time! Bad monkey.